Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. With Jimmy and Sean, sell pills for your dumb. Make a fantastic song. Make a fantastic song. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. <laughs> Man, my exposure's really low here. I'm dark. I look good and tan. I look white as a ghost this week. Then. I guess, yeah. Tan. I guess it is. I guess it is. What do you got going on, Jimmy? It's listing your boy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Some, t- some days I want to just take a match to this room, Sean. You know what I'm saying? Some yes. days. So uh, we're doing this on June 19. A uh, few things before we get started. So much news this week, Sean. A few things before we get started. First thing I want to do is I want to give props to the Toronto Raptors. My hometown why? team. Well, I'm going to tell you why. My hometown team, they won the NBA championship. I am not a massive basketball fan. Uh, and quite frankly, whether the Raptors had won or lost, I wouldn't have lost any sleep over it. I always keep tabs. So I always keep tabs as to how things are going. Um, but the reason that this was really big and the reason I'm mentioning it is because uh, this was big not just for the city of Toronto, but it was big for the country of Canada because the Raptors represent the only team in the NBA, in all of Canada, and so the whole country came together for them. And I can tell you that in terms of Toronto... Piss off, Vancouver! <laughs> yeah, piss off, Vancouver. I can tell you in terms of the economy, Sean, at least locally in Toronto, it was huge for the economy. I know people that own some sports bars in Toronto, they had turnaway crowds every game. Merchandise, Sean, flew off the shelves. As a matter of fact, there was one day my daughter had a Raptor Day at her school, right? Mm-hmm. 
So the day before, I went to a sporting goods store to buy her a jersey. I went in the morning and they said, we just got a new shipment. It's still in the box. Come back this afternoon and it'll be out on the floor. Went back that afternoon, gone. Everything was gone. Oh my God. So, uh, yeah, so it was a big ticket. So good for them. Uh, next thing I want to do is I want to say a happy belated Father's Day to uh, all the dads out there. Now, we have been very critical of WWE Creative on this show, Sean. Oh, boy. Because they deserve it. But there yeah. are moments... There are moments when WWE comes out with a real gem, and one of those gems turned out to be what, uh, what my wife got me for Father's Day and my two oh. children, and I'm going to show you. Look at my Father's Day gift. Amazing. Look at that, man. Amazing. They got me the Daniel Bryan environment friendly with Velcro, have you? Velcro. With Velcro, environmentally friendly belt with uh, naturally fallen oak on the front. So, how is it? Let me, let me, it's beautiful. Let me know. It's, I it, really like it, it. Does it feel good? Do you wear it around? Uh, I do not wear it around, but uh, Why not? I got, uh, I mean, I you know, checked it out on Sunday when they gave it to me. My kids don't really understand. My daughter was gonna swing it, it around the room. Oh gosh! So uh, so I brought it in, but uh, it's beautiful. It's uh, they they went all the way with no leather. If you see the back of this, yeah. it's some kind of a fabric on the back. That and, is very cool. And then they have the I think Daniel Bryan claimed it was hemp. It's yes. burlap sack is what it is. Yeah. But they went with that on the front, and uh, it looks good, man. Look at that. I love that. I love that they're selling those too. Yeah. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, they actually. I love it. She had to get this on back order. Really? Yes. I guess, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. That's pretty cool. I, I love that. Good I like it, too. And I got to say, and we talk about lack of continuity, seeing Daniel Bryan now as a tag team champion wearing the regular tag team belt, Yeah, it's a little sad because they put so much effort into this, and now he's wearing the regular leather-bound tag team belt on SmackDown. But uh, but there's that. Surely, surely it couldn't be that hard for them to find, to create like a burlap strap just for him they could do it very easily but they've just dropped the whole thing and have you yeah. noticed daniel bryan in promos there's not a whole lot of energy out of him in promos lately sean well that's because he's energy efficient jimmy good one good one good one yeah i was i was going to question his level of happiness currently but that's another story for another day uh yeah. next thing on my list uh what's up with your namesake uh former pride fighter bob sapp what's going on oh sean God. What's going on? He has emailed me like seven to ten times this week. I've shared some of them with you. Uh, His friends are messaging me on Facebook. Like, here's the situation. I go in-depth on the Fightful Report, Backstage Report podcast, and Fightful Select. Subscribe today. It's a good time. It's the most direct way to support us. I sympathize with what he's doing. He was accused of domestic assault mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. He's trying to clear his name, and he's trying to get the articles deleted. Uh, the articles that we wrote said allegedly and all this stuff. It would say we, we'll update you when we get any information. We did when we got the information that he supp supplied us with. He has filed a restraining order against the woman that accused him. Here's the thing. She emailed us a couple years ago, but I never opened it up because, Jimmy, this may shock you. I don't speak Japanese. I know this comes as a surprise to many people. Google Translate? 
Do we are we the kind of outlet that relies on Google Translate? No, not to not. not to report it, just to know what the hell she's talking I about. Know, I didn't know what the hell it was. Oh, I oh. didn't much less that. So I found the email, but Bob has emailed me addressing me as Vox Media. I, I saw also that. Do not work for Vox Media. He trolled Vox Media about a typo in one of their articles, then followed that up with the body of his article, uh, his email having several typos. He requested yes. that we change his Wikipedia page, says that we're going to be subpoenaed to testify. Not happening, by the way. Um, and said he's available for interviews if we fly him and two other people over business class. Business class. Put him up in a hotel, food. And Bob Sapp eats 100 pounds of food a day. I should fly him to Maysville, Kentucky. That'd be very interesting. An airport. There might be three connecting flights to get him there, yeah? Yeah, if that. Um, It's wild. Now, I sympathize with his cause, but man, he sent us these weird videos of him scolding a reporter in person, followed by a still photograph of him shaking the reporter's hand. I, I don't get it. And I wasn't going to say anything about it, but then Jordan, I like, after 10 emails, I was like, hey, first off, I don't work for Vox. Second off, I didn't open our email. We updated the article accordingly. Like I said, I sympathize with this cause. But then I had one of his friends hit me up and say, hey, can you change this? And I'm like, man, I updated it weeks or a week ago when I got the information. Can you link me to it? Can you link me to it? Nah, homeboy, you know how Google works. It was two years ago. Look it up. Like, come on. I, let's let's again, move on. Let's move again, on. Again, I sympathize with him. If I were him, I'd want my name cleared too. But we did what we were supposed to do. Yeah, get your facts straight. He thinks you're somebody else. He completely ignored it. My God. All right. Uh, so we're doing this on June 19th. So some unfortunate news came out today. Uh, Lionheart McCallum, uh, Adrian Lionheart McCallum, the current Insane Championship Wrestling champion out of the UK, uh, it was announced today by ICW that he has passed away at the age of 36. Uh, no cause of death has been announced. Yesterday, June 18th, uh, Adrian McCallum posted some stuff on Twitter that's led to speculation as to what might have happened. But that's all we know at this point, and so we're not going to say anything else. But uh, sad situation, man, 36 years old. Really young, you know? Very sad. Many people remember him for his feud with AJ Styles, which unfortunately also featured uh, a Styles clash gone awry, I believe. But he was a very good wrestler. <laughs> yeah. An, an exceptional wrestler. I didn't know him personally. I've never worked with him or haven't covered him extensively, but an, an outstanding wrestler and taken way too soon. And I, I, I just hate it. You hate it, man. Yep. It's really too bad. And uh, somehow we're going to segue from that into the, the, the topic of the day. And uh, this is going to be fun. So AEW. Last Friday, June 14th, tickets went on sale for All Out, which is the next uh, big show, August 31st, back at the Sears Center outside Chicago. Later that same day, June 14th. Whoa, whoa, I thought they were filling up Soldier Field, Jimmy. Yeah, well, we're going to get there, man. We're going to get there. Uh, Later that same day, June 14th, AEW posted this on Twitter. Brady's uh, manning the fort here. Brady, do you have that tweet from AEW? 15 minutes, they said. Thank you. AEW All Out is sold out. Um, obviously, this is great news. This is great news for AEW. This is great news for the industry. Uh, and, uh, you know, let's get into the, the, the story that's come up because I've seen a lot of stuff on social media and a lot of guys are crapping on Dave Meltzer. And, and let's go into it. So 
A lot of people, as we've seen, especially pro-WWE people, have shit on AEW unnecessarily, right? Yeah. And there's been a lot of people that have commented on social media calling all of these sellouts flukes and, oh, wait until they have a... <laughs> You've seen it, right? Yeah, You've seen it. And wait wait until they have a weekly show and, and, and all this stuff. For some reason, pro-WWE people crap on AEW because they don't understand that this is good for the business. By the same token, Sean, there are some pro-AEW people, in my opinion, that sometimes can be known to kind of tout propaganda a little bit. And um, as they say... There are good people on both sides, Jimmy. There are good people on both sides, yes. And and somet sometimes they, they like to kind of spin the numbers to kind of fit their narrative. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this is kind of what I want to talk about. So Dave Meltzer, on June 14, the day that this sellout happened, uh, he posted this on his website, The Wrestling Observer. Put that up, Brady, if you have it. Okay, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but you see the top there. He said the final number of those in the queue who tried to get tickets for All Out was 72,500 after about 30 minutes. He said this is verified as they actually gave people their number in line. Uh, he also said that the average number of tickets people were trying to get was 2.9 tickets. And so he suggested that they could have sold over 130,000 tickets. He said that... <sighs> He said that ticket demand, about halfway down, that ticket demand, the first 30 minutes, beat any WrestleMania in history and would be the highest for any pro wrestling show I've ever heard of. Uh, now, I should note, kind of on a side note, because this is one of the things that Dave Meltzer has been critiqued for, the very next thing he wrote there at the bottom was a plug for a Q&A he's going to be doing in Chicago uh, that weekend, and he even noted... Uh, my show in Chicago, uh, we have tickets available, but all the combined show tickets have sold out because he was actually selling AEW tickets. And so obviously there's a, there's a lot that could be said about conflict of interest, and we're, that's another story for another day. We're not going to go into it. Now, I am not a ticket trend expert, Sean. I don't, yeah. have, I don't have ticket trend data, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use some other numbers in order to kind of make my point because I think that Dave Meltzer is full of shit. With that report, I think that it's ludicrous what he said to suggest that this was the hottest ticket in wrestling history, hotter than any WrestleMania. I think that's silly. I think ticket brokers made up the difference. Uh, and so let's go into some numbers here. So double or nothing, just to kind of put it in, into perspective, double or nothing worldwide did a report in 98,000 buys. Okay? Right, yeah. Sean? 98,000 buys. That means that according to this report, there were almost as many people in queue to buy a ticket to a live event, which means that you would have also had to buy a flight, and you would have also had to buy a hotel, and you would have also had to get food. Almost as many people, Sean, in queue to get a ticket for a live event as who bought the last show on pay-per-view sitting in the comfort of their own home. Does that sound logical to you? No. No. Then if you go even further, being the elite, which is AEW's primary promotional tool on YouTube, they have about 380,000 YouTube subscribers, all right? Some of their weekly episodes have done very well. Some of them have done 900,000 views, a million views. But a lot of them average 160,000 views a week, 170,000 views a week, 190,000 views a week. That means that according to this report, there were almost as many people wanting to buy a ticket to go to this live event as watch the YouTube show on a weekly basis worldwide, Sean, according, according to that report. Does that make sense to Correct. you? No, it does not. No, it does not. Then if you want to take it a little bit further, if you look at the Attitude Era, because the Attitude Era was the hottest area, era in, in, the, in the time of pro wrestling, right? Back in those days, WrestleMania exceeded 1 million pay-per-view buys 
on multiple occasions in 2001, 2007, 2008, 11, 12, 13. Back in those days during the Attitude Era, there were as many as 10 million viewers watching wrestling on Monday night between WWE and WCW. Are we to believe that All Out with 160, 170,000 people watching on YouTube, 98,000 people buying the last pay-per-view, are we to believe that's a hotter ticket than any WrestleMania in history doing over a million buys for Mania and almost 10 million people combined watching WWE and WCW during the Attitude Era? Does that make any sense? Not a bit. Not a bit. So this is my opinion, and I know that Meltzer said uh, that his number excluded bots, excluded multiple browsers, and excluded pro scalpers. And those were his words on Twitter. And, he said pro scalpers. And I tried, right? man. Like, yeah, I, I'm new to the ticket sniffing game, so to speak. Right. And I, I talked to my to some of my friends who are involved in uh, the, the ticket brokering and all that, and they said it's really hard to detect, especially in, like, a waiting room situation, how many are actual people. Well, here's the situation. And this is something that Meltzer may or may not understand. In 2019, Sean, we are all pro scalpers. In 2019. Back in the Attitude Era, ticket brokering was in, was in its infancy, Sean. Right? Yeah. It wasn't anywhere near what it is today. Tickets were still hard printed tickets, even if you got them through an online source. Back in the Attitude Era, mostly it was pro scalpers at the actual event. Right? And so if you went into WrestleMania and you didn't yet have tickets in hand, what are the odds yeah. that you're going to fly to Mania in order to, in order to hope to get tickets from a scalper? It's probably not going to happen, right? In oh, yeah. I, I could have not bought tickets at all. Like, I, I got Andrew a ticket. Right. I could have avoided buying it until the day of and felt comfortable doing it. I just didn't la- last go around. But that, that's the case now. Like, for example, I'm going to a concert in October. Don't have tickets yet. They're sold out via the the official uh, website. I know I'm getting tickets to that show. I know I am. Well, in 2019, ticket brokering has evolved. Yeah. Everything is digital. All of us, everybody listening to the show, we are all essentially pro scalpers in this era because anybody can buy tickets online. Everything is digital and you can resell them. You can do it from the comfort of your parents' basement in your underwear, Sean. You don't have to go anywhere in order to, to do it this day and age. Is that a shot at me? No, no, I'm just, I'm just kind of telling it like it is. And so the point I'm trying to make is that I think that when you look at uh, AEW's audience, when you look at their buy rate numbers, when you look at their weekly views for YouTube, I think that there is no question that that ticket demand came from brokers. And I'm not suggesting that the 10,000 tickets sold were sold to brokers, because that's, yeah. not, that's, that's not what I mean. What I mean is the demand queue that Melzer's talking about, 72,000 people in queue, I think that's, a lot of that is ticket brokers. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that real fans got tickets too, and you're not going to see 10,000 tickets show up on, on brokering websites because a lot of real fans got them too. But uh, I think that's the reason why. I also think that because there was only 10,000 tickets available and because ticket brokers could see Double or Nothing was, a, was a, a, an in-demand event, uh, All In was an in-demand event, brokers understand the markup potential of a show like sure. this with only 10,000 tickets available. Meltzer had made a comment. He said that they should have booked a stadium. And he, and he actually suggested Rogers Center in Toronto as an option. That would have been lunacy for AEW to book a stadium because if you suddenly have 80,000 seats available instead of 10, that means that the availability is not going to be there the way it is for a 10,000 seat venue. That means that the potential to mark up your seats on the reseller market isn't going to be the same that it is with 10,000 seats. Yeah. And you know what that means, Sean? That means AEW cannot promote instant sellout because they're not going to have an instant yeah. sellout. 
in a stadium. And, and there, there is some sort of uh, buzz surrounding that, surrounding of course. the sellout, the immediate sellout. Of course. Uh, I think I think they could have run the United – I don't know if anybody runs the name United Center, but I think they could probably get about 21, 22,000 in the United Center if they wanted to. Sure, um, sure. I, I think they could do that. I'm, I'm happy for AEW. I hope they sell out every damn show they do. I hope yeah. WWE sells out every damn show they do. I hope Impact sells out every show they do. MLW, all of them. My thing is, Jimmy, you halfway plugged Dave Meltzer's event. You didn't plug my event for Chicago. Oh, yeah? What's that? On my birthday, August 30th, ball out. Is Blue Chew sponsoring that? I hope so. But <laughs> it is the first ever official wrestling media basketball game you want to talk the highest quality basketball in the history of wrestling media that will be <laughs> the place i'm excited myself people have been asking for a fightful voices of wrestling crossover for years have they really and it finally happens okay. yeah they have actually okay okay and it finally happens in the form of a basketball game my knee swelled up just taking shots the other day good for you you're ready to go apparently I'm ready to go. On my birthday, Jimmy. Well, going back to this topic, I, I think AEW needs to stay the course. I think they need to not buy into this, oh, we're so hot, let's book a stadium next time. And I'm not saying that they couldn't fill up a stadium because maybe they could, but there's no question in my mind that ticket brokers make up a lot of that demand and that, if, like I said before, if you have that many tickets available, there's going to be less interest from people looking to mark up those tickets, meaning you're not going to have an immediate sellout. Uh, and you know how things are in terms of the, per the perception, right? If you yeah. suddenly, if there's suddenly the perception of slowed momentum because you booked a stadium and didn't get an instant sellout, you know what I'm saying? Stay the course with what you're doing. Uh, to me, it doesn't make. Who cares if there's 70,000 people in an online queue? Doesn't mean shit to me. It's a 10,000 yeah. seat venue, and everybody knows it's a hot ticket, and that they can mark that up, and that's why they were in queue. So, uh, I, think, I think we are in the most, you could argue, if not the most intriguing time in wrestling. Definitely over the past 25 years, at least top three. Yeah, if you're not you WWE. The, yeah, you talk about the sale of WCW and ECW, and you talk about the Monday Night War really getting launched. This has way more question marks to me. I was on Steven Jensen's podcast today, who does the Weekender for us, and he was like, well, what do you see happening with the Indies? What do you see happening with MLW, with Impact? And I'm like, man, you're going to have to ask me in four months because I don't know what AEW TV is going to do to everybody else. Right. We yeah. are about to see a complete generation of indie wrestlers wiped out. Like some – you, you got to have dozens more step up. Because I, think, I think they will. I Pentagon think and will Phoenix aren't working everywhere. MJF yeah, isn't working everywhere. Janelle yeah. ain't working everywhere. Yeah. You got all those guys off indie shows. Yeah. So um, – you're gonna get. You're gonna see a lot more Joey Ryan and Kaz XL on these indie yeah, shows. Yeah, you know, I'm not. We we've talked about this before, and the, and the reason I'm not concerned about that is because when you look at ECW, ECW took a bunch of, with all due respect to them, they took a bunch of plumbers out of the yeah. Northeast and turned plumbers them. In, don't get it done anymore, though. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is they can probably find some more guys like that out there, so long as you have somebody with the creative ability of a Paul Heyman that can, as they always say, hide the weaknesses and accentuate the positives. If you can find someone with that ability, they can create a new crop of guys. So I'm not too worried about that. Now, there's one well, other I'm, thing. I'm, I'm not worried about it. I'm just saying AEW, given that they'll be on TV, how WWE reacts, how 
all these indie promotions react, how MLW reacts with their TV. Well, their pushes of guys like MJF and the Lucha or whoever the hell they have from AEW, mm-hmm. will those coincide with AEW's pushes of those talent? Will Better they not. clash? Better there not. Are, there are so many questions about what's going to happen with wrestling once uh, this fall kicks off. So I, I think you had, had mentioned that Janelle is not taking any dates anymore, right? Uh, yeah, not anymore. He told me that starting in October, he's not doing indies anymore. And I expect that'll happen outside with everybody. Of, outside of spring break. Sorry to interrupt you. Right. I, I expect that'll happen with everybody. And like we talked about before, if AEW lets guys continue working elsewhere, come October when they're investing time and money into them on television, it's a stupid decision. Uh, but I tend to think that's not going to happen. I think that when their show starts, you're not going to see MJF focused or featured on MLW television anymore. And I could be wrong, and if I am, it's a bad decision. But I, I just my gut tells me that they're not going to let that happen. Uh, now, I want to say one more thing going back to this AEW ticket thing. Because AEW passionate fans might look at this and say, well, Jimmy, why are you shitting on AEW? I'm not shitting on AEW. I'm glad they're having this success, but I kind of want to call it down the middle. I don't want to sure. be pro, I don't want to be pro WWE and I don't want to be anti WWE and the same thing with AEW. I don't want to shit on them, but I'm not going to like put them over with this propaganda either. I kind of want to call it the way I see it. And I saw yeah. I saw a lot of a lot of like one guy even tweeted me and he said, hey, Jimmy, according to Forbes, they could have sold one hundred thirty thousand tickets. And I responded and I said, according to Forbes, he regurgitated Meltzer's reports. Yeah. Yeah. No, no offense. But Forbes no, wrestling yeah. writing. No, no. Forbes wrestling writing is like it's it's not on the level. Also, hey, man, some people will pay good money to get shit on these days. Uh, one other note about AEW's rise that I think is very positive for the wrestling business, again, and this is something, are you guys going to be able to calm down on that one, Nigel? Going to be calm down on that one? Well, I mean, if they can't calm down and, and they want to get a rise, Jimmy, our friends at Blue Chew can help them. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active <laughs> ingredients. Whoa. Com- coming in a little hot there. Yeah. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Whether it's you're going Monday night raw, or you're on Tuesdays and you're trying to lay the smack down, or you want to unleash some Wednesday night dynamite. <laughs> or Thursday night thunder. Thursday Night Thunder, hot <laughs> damn. That's not the performance you want, Jimmy. Um, you can take them anytime, day or night. They work up to twice as fast as a pill. They're cheaper because you get them for free. Use that code FIGHTFUL. Hit them up at Get Blue Chew. Let them know you heard about them from us. Let them know that we told you they're prescribed online. They ship straight to your door. Discreet packaging. The mailman isn't going to be look at you like, <laughs> special delivery, pal. Not going to do one of those. Hit them up at Get Blue Chew. No more awkwardness like this segue. <laughs> okay, one other thing about oh, AEW. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, you're not done yet? <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, promo code Fightful, bluechew.com. Check it out. <laughs> so one other thing about AEW that I want to talk about, and this is something that I want the pro-WWE people to pay attention to because it, again, accentuates why AEW's uh, positive momentum right now is good for the industry. So back when the Jarrett started uh, NWATNA in 2002, the theory they had 
is that there were a lot of lapsed wrestling fans. The theory that yeah. they had is that when WCW went out of business in 2001, they didn't all shift over to WWE. They became lapsed fans, and NWA TNA's goal at that time was to grab that fan base. Yeah. Uh, for various reasons, it didn't quite work out, but that was the goal. Tony Khan, to his credit, when, uh, when they came up with uh, AEW, he did a lot of interviews, and he believes the same thing the Jarrett's did. He believes that there is the, a lapsed fan out there that likes pro wrestling, that remembers the Attitude Era days, but that did not become a WWE fan necessarily when WCW closed down, or for whatever other reason, they stopped watching wrestling. Sure. Uh, and so what he wanted to do is, is, is reach out and grab that fan base, as opposed to compete directly with WWE for the same fan, right? Now... Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because it looks like that theory is a reality. And it looks like AEW could be bringing in both new fans as well as lap fans. There's been a lot of metrics, and Meltzer's gone heavy into this. There's been a lot of metrics about who's buying the pay-per-views, who bought Double or Nothing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even who's watching the YouTube show and what other stuff do they subscribe to and whatever. And what they've discovered is that, yeah, a lot of those fans might have the network, the WWE network. But yeah. they're not all watching Raw and SmackDown. And as a matter of fact, more of them, it would seem, come from other uh, aspects of entertainment, even the UFC, more so than WWE. I and would so, love to get a look at WWE and every wrestling company's analytics because I feel like YouTube analytics are a pretty good indicator of demographic. Right. I mean, of course, you're going to have people that make just throwaway, wasteful accounts with really no real info, but... A lot of people have really good info, and I'm sure that YouTube has a way to determine and decipher which of those accounts are most accurate and have the, the, the accurate information and really nail down a demographic and who's watching what and how much they're watching it. Yeah, and, th and this is potentially big for WWE, too, because if they ever get their shit together, and if, if this is an opportunity for a new fan base to either come back or to get introduced to wrestling for the first time, that is a fan that they could potentially grab, too. If they're yeah. able to, if they're able to express any, any interest. Now, speaking of getting their shit together, uh, we've talked about how WWE, they, you know, you, you question their focus, you question if the guy in charge is the right guy, all of that kind of stuff. There are reports that WWE is once again lobbying to be nominated for an Emmy Award. And this goes along with them having to get their shit together and having to shift their focus and remember where the bread is buttered. Um, last year, they did an Emmy FYC, a four-year consideration event, and they did it for Emmy voters, and they brought out Roman Reigns, and they brought out Ronda Rousey, and I can't remember if Cena was there or not, and Stephanie did her bullshit, and Triple H was there, and whatever, and as we know, it didn't work, uh, and they did not win an Emmy. This year, WWE is pushing to get Raw nominated for the Outstanding Structured Reality Program Emmy Award. Which is funny because Raw is arguably the worst it's ever been in terms of uh, writing and in terms of entertainment value. So maybe 94, 94, early 95. It's a toss-up, Sean. I might, take, I might take the goon and the plumber over some of this shit. You know what hey, I'm saying? Hey, the goon is being booked by Jeremy Lambert in our Monday Night War series. But do you know who he gave the gimmick to? No idea. Barry Horowitz. Really? I think Barry Horowitz would probably play, play a better goon. I wonder how he would do walking on those boots with the little skate underneath. All the well, they were they were big lifts. Yeah, they but they were, were only they were the, just, in the middle of the boot, right? I think they were just big colored lifts. Oh, were I think they? The lifts were colored white. Yeah. I thought they were just but in the middle of the boot. You know what would impress me a lot more than an Emmy award? What's that? 
a SAG award because that would imply that WWE was trying to get their wrestlers into SAG or or their show, at least some sort of situation there, and put them on the level with so many other people on TV. Well, you know, we've talked about this before. Vincent Man, he is so obsessed with being recognized as mainstream. Uh, I think that they need to be cognizant of the landscape. I think they need to recognize what's going on in the wrestling business right now, and they need to recognize that AEW's got the momentum. WWE's momentum has clearly slowed. Ratings are down. Popularity's eroding. Competition's emerging. They've got to get their heads out of their asses and not worry about the Emmy Awards. And then to take it another step, it just came out that uh, WWE's going to have its own category at the ESPYs this year, Sean. I, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Um, Best wow. WWE moment of the year. They're going to have their own category. The Emmys are airing, uh, or not the Emmys, the ESPYs are airing July 10 on ABC. Kind of makes you wonder, ESPN, I wonder if that was almost a footnote in the XFL deal. You know? I wonder if this man said, hey, we'll do this deal, but you got to do me a little favor. What and uh, honestly, I think most of the moments there are, are fair. Because you got, like, Ronda Rousey winning a title. I think it was Roman Reigns returning, Kofi Kingston winning, Becky Lynch winning. Kofi Kingston should win that one in a landslide. Sure, but again, don't, don't you think maybe they should be focusing more on uh, the creative aspects of their show than yeah, worrying about think, getting an Emmy and an ESPY? Well, as far as the ESPY, I don't think they're putting much work into that. They've got a thing. Up there. I don't think it's taken that much from them. The, the Emmy thing? Eh. Yeah, and one other note, uh, boy, this is almost like the uh, get your shit together uh, uh, conversation here, or topic. One other note, uh, it was reported that at Raw last week, both Vincent Mann and Triple H were not there uh, for the taping. Vince had corporate obligations to tend to. Triple H was in Florida preparing for NXT tapings, so they had Ed Koski, who's one of the Raw writers, running the show. To me... My opinion, even for one week, especially when you look at the landscape and when you look at the eroding popularity and when you look at morale issues in the company right now, that is inexcusable to me that you would have both of the, of the main guys not there. Inexcusable to me. And I realize that NXT is Hunter's baby. I get it. That's Hunter's baby. You got to know where your bread is buttered and you got to know where your funding is coming from. And if Vince isn't available, you get your ass to raw. And you don't worry about the NXT tapings, especially when you look at, again, the landscape and you look at your big contracts coming up in October where you're going to make over $200 million per show. That's where you need to be on Monday night. And I, it, it just goes again bet to you, show. I bet you they were there this Monday in oh, LA I bet with you those they Fox were. execs. I bet you they were. But it, it just kind of goes again to show that, that maybe not just Vince, maybe Hunter's focus is a little off too. Yeah. Or maybe it's frustration because maybe he knows, well, I want to do all this stuff with Rob, but I, I'm handcuffed. Yeah, you know I mean? and I can exclusively report that the Blue Meanie was also not at Raw last week, but <laughs> he was with me talking to me for an interview. Here it is. Here it is. <laughs> What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com. You guys know who this is. I mean, the Blue Meanie. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. I'm enjoying myself here at... Uh... Starkist number two, Electric Boogaloo, and uh, having a great time. And I like doing these things because they're like high school reunions. You get to see yeah. everybody and not fall down and get hurt and all that stuff, you know. But uh, that's for another day. No, oh, what's well, it like getting that paycheck without bumping? Oh, man. It's, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. It's a beautiful thing. No, but most importantly, is you get to interact with the fans, which uh, sometimes at live events and shows and stuff like that. You 
only get a certain amount of window, window of time, certain window of time, first day with the new map, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> to talk to people, you know, it's usually an intermission, it's rushed, it's like 15 minutes, it's, hi, how you doing, goodbye, here we get to chill out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Take time, share stories, share memories, you know, because I'm still a fan too. Yeah. So, I mean, if I, if I was in the business, I'd be here right now myself. So, I'm very fortunate that that guy just walked through our shot. So, I'm so lucky. But, uh... <laughs> you noticed, and I didn't. And this yeah. is my job, and yeah. I didn't. And Thank we're you. about to have more. And here comes and, the run. And here it comes. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> How does it make you feel when you see BWO shirts in 2019 strolling about? Like, I was walking around in Las Vegas, and literally somebody I had breakfast with had a BWO shirt on. I'm thinking, man, that that's cool, because, I mean, obviously it's spoof on the NWO, but your shirt is also timeless. It's insane. Uh, you know, it's 2019, it's going to be 2020 soon, and, yeah. you know, it's almost started in 96, I'm bad with math, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, and we just celebrated the anniversary, and just for the fact that people still remember. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, you see ECW shirts, and then you see BWO shirts, and then like, if one shows up on Raw, my timeline explodes, and it's so cool because you know, in this business you can kind of be self-conscious, so you know, or, you know, you're like, you wonder, doubt yourself, you know, you go, eh, did I do anything? And then see somebody wearing your shirt on TV, and it's it's really cool to. Know that somebody remembers you, you know, in a good way. You know, I just consider myself like the Philly fanatic of uh, pro wrestling, <laughs> the comic relief. And, you know, if I can, you know, one person remembers me, I did something. Something I've always wondered. Have there ever been any BWO members that were pitched but didn't happen? Uh, we had a lot of honor- honorary members, mm-hmm. uh, like during the heyday when uh, they are really, really, really pushing for people to buy the shirts. Like, <laughs> We would do a run-in, and uh, New Jack would wear a shirt, oh, yeah. or uh, the Pitbulls would wear the shirt, or something like that. Uh, nine honorary members. Uh, when I was in the WWE, uh, Joe C from uh, Kid Rock was going to be. Oh wow! He was going to be Mini Meanie, and we were going to dye his hair blue, and he was going to come out and be Mini Meanie because I knew I know I knew Joe C. Uh, but when I started training and with Al Snow and all that good stuff, but as far as BWO members. Uh, there's been plenty of honorary yeah, members. Yeah, yeah, Honorary members, yeah. Meany, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Uh, I enjoy your, your your timeline and your, your insight. <laughs> and stuff. No, seriously. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Very cool. And thanks for having me. And uh, I hope to see all you 
out at a, uh, I'll see old Bill after going. I'll see you, you at, at the, the matches. matches. He gave me my start. Yes. Bill after. We're out. Nice. Lots of interviews up at Fightful.com. That's what we do. And I'm doing even more, Jimmy. Yeah. Doing more, doing more traveling. Excited for that. We got Chicago, Toronto, lots of neat stuff. But uh, go over there, show up. Uh, you, you're probably watching the show on our YouTube, but if you're not, subscribe. It's a good time. Jimmy, I know you make a lot of deals. Uh-huh. Make a lot of deals. What would you do if I told you that I made a deal, a six-figure acquisition? A six-figure acquisition. Does yes. that Does that include cents? Six-figure acquisition. Jimmy, how impressed are you? Some Kentucky All-Stars here I'm for my I'm, Kentucky figure collection. I'm trying to figure out how you're going to end this topic. I don't know. That was it. I just wanted to say six-figure acquisition. <laughs> so let's talk about Dana Warrior. All right? Now, by all accounts, from what I've heard, she's a nice person. From what I hear, she's well-liked. Uh, I don't know if she's qualified to write for WWE, but that's not that's not for me to, to decide. Uh, and that's not her problem or, or her fault. That's Vince McMahon's problem. So who cares about that? But yeah. June is Pride Month, Sean. Uh, and Dana Warrior on June 13th posted this on Twitter. Brady, you got that? So there's Dana Warrior wearing the face paint of her, uh, of her uh, husband, the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, she writes, I stand in solidarity with the community and honor you with pride this month. I believe in equality, education, awareness, and this simple fact, love wins always. And there she is again with Warriors face paint. As you can imagine, and, and I know Nigel doesn't know about the Warriors background, so he's going to like this one. As you can oh imagine, Dan Warrior is getting blistered hard on social and media. Should. And she should. And she should. And I got to tell you, Sean, I don't know in my entire lifetime as a wrestling fan, if I've ever seen a case of someone being more tone deaf than her posting that on Twitter. Um, now, it's one thing, I think, in my opinion, for her to post that on Twitter, just in general. It's another thing to post it when you're wearing the face paint and the colors of the Ultimate Warrior. And uh, so let's, 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 let's talk about this. We're not going to go into great detail about the Warriors past because we've done that before, so we don't need to do that. But regarding Dana Warrior posting this Pride Month thing, Nigel, back, of, back in April of uh, 2005, yep. the Ultimate Warrior did a speech at the University of Connecticut. Uh, he was brought in by the college Republicans. Right. Uh, he was known to say some controversial things <laughs> back in those days. Uh, at this speech, and you can find it on YouTube. I didn't take a clip for this. You can find it on YouTube because the whole thing is there. He was asked by somebody about homosexuality. Clearly, he was asked because they were kind of setting him up because they knew that he was going to put his foot in his mouth. So they asked him about homosexuality. The warrior responded, quote, queering doesn't make the world work, was his Keep response. Keep in mind, he, he once referred to Draws and Todd Grisham as the queer and the cripple. Draws, who was a quadriplegic, I believe, after yes. an accident in the ring. Yes. Uh, and so warrior, that reputation kind of followed him around after that. And WWE in recent years, they've tried to sanitize the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, they've tried to create. They've tried to create a new character for him. Uh, they came up with the Warrior Award, which had nothing to do with what he wanted it to be for. But still, yeah. they came up with the Warrior Award, and they've created this kind of sanitized 
impression of the Ultimate Warrior, but a lot of people still remember the stuff that he said back in those days. So for Dana Warrior, after her husband talked about homosexuality and said queering doesn't make the world work, for her to talk about pride wearing his face paint on social media, you can't imagine how she's getting destroyed for that. Uh, if, it, if, it, if it were a normal human being that wore the warrior stuff and didn't say all that stuff, right. man, he would be a fantastic mascot. But I thought I even wrote a, a column a couple years ago when they used him for they used or they used Dana Warrior and that imagery for the Susan G. Komen thing. And I was like using him as a cancer awareness mascot right. was insanely tone deaf. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure that he uh, took shots at Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan. and his cancer. Yes, by the way, I think he did. The yeah. man was indiscriminate in his discrimination. <laughs> Yeah, which he is did. almost a special level of hatred in which that man has. If yeah. you search the Ultimate Warrior, like one of the top links that comes up is an article called Ultimate Warrior was an insane dick. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, I, I'm sure that Dana Warrior had positive intentions. I'm sure. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that she was blind or deaf to the past when it comes to the Ultimate Warrior. I'm sure she had read some of that criticism. So hopefully she learned something from this. Hopefully she learned, okay, I'm kind of in the public eye now, and i got to be a little bit more aware of things that I, that I put up like that. But uh, that was a bad one. Let's, let's Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm not Dana Warrior. And, like, my wife came to me and was like, hey, can you pull those pictures of me dressed as the Ultimate Warrior for Halloween oh, off really? the fucking Internet? Uh, we've got people that have worked with us before that have had, like, Ultimate Warrior tattoos, and I won't name who they are. They got that shit lasered off, Jimmy. Right. Like, it, if they know, you mean to tell me that Dana doesn't know? Dana's got to know, and I get yeah, it. Yeah, she must know. Maybe her daughters are wonderful, and she's wonderful and all that, and I hope they are, but you can't take back the things that he said and the people that he hurt because he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it, it, it was what it was. She's gotten hit hard by it on social media, but uh, it, is, it was what it was. Let's shift focus and talk about Aerostar. Uh, and this one's crazy. <laughs> this one's crazy, and we have a little clip we're going to show you in a minute. So last Sunday, which would have been June 16th, Aerostar, he's a luchador in Mexico. He worked a six-man tag for AAA. Uh, I'm going to try to pronounce the name of the show. Uh, Verano de Escandalo. Not bad. Thank you. That wasn't bad. He worked a six-man tag. Ironically enough, one of his opponents was Killer Cross. But uh, he did a spot that has gone viral, and apparently it was not the first time he's done it, Sean. Oh, it's not. Um, which it's makes crazy. it even more crazy. What he did was he decided to climb up to the top of the lighting rig, and I don't know how high up the lighting rig is, but it's freaking high. He sat up there with his legs dangling off the lighting rig, waiting for his opponents to get in place at ringside, and then he dove onto them, and uh, it didn't end well. Brady, you got the clip. Put up that clip of this spot. Now, I think we can talk over this. Boom! And we slowed it down for you, too. We're going to play it again, slowed it down. Those to the cross and start the right right there. Look at this. And bang! Was he trying to do a Hurricane Rana? Is that what that was supposed to be? No, I don't. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Because he, he's lucky he didn't die. Uh, he, uh, he apparently was injured. Uh, he's tempting fate doing that. I couldn't believe when I heard that it wasn't the first time. He's tempting fate doing it, and uh, he's got to learn. He said he's going to practice it more and do it again because the audience deserves it. And like I said on the SmackDown show, I'm like, not really. We don't. 
collectively, wrestling fans are shitty, so no, we don't at all. I don't know if there's ever been a better time for me to ever say, let's go to stupid people. Mm. Stupid people is what this segment's called. You might wonder why we do it. It's not about wrestling at all. Used to be WWE's weekly usage of stupid nicknames, which we did hoping they'd stop giving wrestlers lame names. But it didn't work, so we gave up. In the new segment, we came up with this stupid people. Stupid people, stupid people. Duh. Okay, um, got some good media for you, Sean. This first one, I can't wait to hear Nigel's take on this first one, Sean. All right, because he's into this kind of shit. This was sent in by Jay Patel, and it was reported by Wales Online on June 17. Now, before I get into this one, I'm going to tell you a personal story that's similar but different to this, okay? You tell stories. I tell stories when they're either relatable or I, tell, tell or I tell stories when I think that somebody might be informed by it. That's when I tell you, stories. You've told a story or two. Every now and then. So there's a, uh, there's a restaurant in uh, Canada called Boston Pizza. It's a franchise, right? It's kind of like an Applebee's or a TGI Friday's. Sure. Okay? One time I went to Boston Pizza for lunch with a group of people, right? And we ordered a round of beer and we ordered appetizers. And it was going to be a pretty good bill for the waiter, right? Yeah. One of the girls that was, at our, that was in our group, she ordered as her main, uh, main course, she ordered what they call bugs and cheese off the kids' menu, which is macaroni and cheese. Right. The waiter said, uh, sorry, uh, you got to be 12 or younger. Right. I looked at the waiter and I said, uh, buddy, round of alcohol. We're probably going to do a second round appetizers. Would you rather I came in here with a 10 year old, ordered a, a glass of Coke and the bugs and cheese? So I said, do me a favor. Go get her the bugs and cheese. And the guy's like, no, nope, can't do it, man. 12 or 12 or, uh, or younger. So when the meal was over, she never got her bugs and cheese. When the meal was over, we dug into her pockets. I think we found about a buck seventy-five, and that was his tip that day, because he was an idiot. All right? Yeah, and I don't care if anybody's offended by it. He didn't. It he will didn't, be. Oh, I don't it care. It will be. I don't care because he didn't see the big picture. He didn't understand. Maybe I should bend on the thing because this is going to be a hundred-dollar hey, check. I will be completely honest with you guys. While some of you will be offended. There have been stories similar to this that ended in people getting sales jobs from Jimmy. Yes. I mean, just saying. This, this has happened before. Yes, it has. And he's doing quite well, too. Uh, okay. Now, along those same lines, similar but different, have you heard before stories about establishments that in an effort to highlight the supposed gender pay gap, they've done things like they make men pay a bigger tip? Like mandatory, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. There have been stories like that. This story is along those lines, and I already showed Nigel this the other day, so he's already seen it. So there's a brewery in the UK called BrewDog, right? Okay. Uh, they make their own line of beer, and then you can also, you know, they have an establishment, so you can go there and eat and order the beer or whatever. And they make a beer called Punk IPA, okay? Uh, and then you can buy a bottle of uh, Punk IPA at their uh, brewery for five pounds for a bottle. For a limited time, they have made a brand that they call Pink IPA. And we have a bottle of it. Brady, put up a picture of what that bottle looks like. There it is right there, Sean. In small letters, you can see it says uh, Beer for Girls. See that? And essentially, Pink IPA, Sean, is Punk IPA. It's the exact same beer, but they have it in a bottle like that. Okay? Uh, they sell Pink IPA at BrewDog for four pounds a bottle meaning that was, it was one pound cheaper. Okay? Sure. 
So a 27-year-old man, his name is Thomas Bauer. He went to BrewDog, uh, heard about Pink IPA, and he ordered the Pink IPA. He was refused because of his gender. So then the man, he was thinking on his feet a little bit. He said, okay, um, I uh, identify as female. When he said that, they served him the Pink IPA. He then took that knowledge and he sued BrewDog in small claims court for sex discrimination and he won a thousand pounds in damages, Sean. What are your thoughts on the whole situation? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's, that's what my thoughts are. This is why I love that I'm not you a wrestling journalist. Called, you got mad that I called somebody a pussy on Twitter today. so I said, take I was, that shit down, yeah. Okay, you well, know, no, no, he's, I didn't take it down. He oh, no, I didn't. Someone I, to, he was encouraging someone to kill themselves. So yeah, I, I know, but you know why didn't. I didn't like that, Sean? I didn't like that because people didn't know the context. That's why well, I, I provided. Like I provided the context. A but, lot of people said, what are you talking about? And then I provided the context. Oh, okay, but you should have done that first. Yeah, maybe. So, no, maybe. not maybe. You definitely should. <laughs> before you so, so call someone a pussy on Twitter, you context, definitely should. Context is not that important in anything that I do. <laughs> Apparently not. So Apparently not. I'm definitely not going to provide any on my thoughts on this situation. No thanks. Okay. You well, can have the YouTube mob after you. No, you know what? This is why I'm not a wrestling journalist because <laughs> I can say whatever the fuck I want. And the only I'm thing not I either. will. Don't know why you're asking me. All right. Well, the only thing I will say is I think that it's a really bad business idea to make a decision like that because you're trying to highlight the supposed gender pay gap. And I'm saying supposed gender pay gap because I personally know a lot of women that make a lot more than their male counterparts in the same industry. But anyway, I think there, there's. All I'll say is there's a whole lot to just really throw back about equality in that type of situation and treating everybody the same. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and if someone's gonna 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 buy a hundred dollars worth of food at lunchtime and they want something off the kids menu, you give them the fucking item off the kids menu. You know I'm saying stoked to order something off the kids menu in Toronto. Oh, and we'll see. It depends on the establishment. Some of them are cool. Some of them aren't. I guess we'll find my, out. My wife eats like nothing but chicken tenders, so it's there gonna go. happen. There you go. All right, this next one. This was reported by WNEM out of Saginaw, Michigan on June 11. So deputies in Hillsborough County, Florida, because these people are always in Florida. Uh, always. They pulled over a vehicle during a traffic stop, uh, and they suspected that the passenger was doing cocaine, Sean. What made them think that the passenger was doing cocaine? All in his shit. Just all scar-faced up. Close enough. He had it under his nose. Put up that picture, Brady. If you got it. There it is, uh, right I was, there. I was holding it for somebody. Yeah, yeah, look at him right there. Now, so the cops, they swabbed it. They tested it. They confirmed it was, co it was cocaine. What did the 20-year-old uh, passenger say? He was holding it for somebody. Said it wasn't his. <laughs> Here's the thing, Jimmy. These people are so unpredictably stupid that they have now become predictable. They've now become predictable. Yeah. He said I it wasn't his. It. So cops also found on this man 250 grams of marijuana, 13 Xanax pills, and a baggie of Coke, and they arrested him on drug charges. So good on you. Yeah, got a good nine ounces of weed. I guess that'll do it. Shouldn't, but whatever. Well, yeah, but he also had cocaine under his nose. So It wasn't his. So It wasn't his, yeah. This last one, SRS file, reported by Forbes on June 15th. Do you remember in the past, Sean, we talked about shit transplants? You remember that? Yeah. 
So in the past, anybody that might be new to this uh, podcast, we did a story about shit transplants. And what was happening is this is the process of transplanting intestinal microorganisms from one person to another to help weakened immune systems combat certain infections. Okay? This is where this all came from. Um, well, this story was bound to happen, Sean. It was bound to happen, bud. Two adult patients with weakened immune systems were given stool transplants that contained a bad antibiotic-resistant bacteria, all right? And I guess there wasn't enough due diligence done on the poop that was being transplanted. What Shocking. Was, what was the end result, Sean? They died. One of them died. Mm. Yeah, one of them died. The moral of the story, Sean— I guess you could say, say that they got the real shit into the stick, huh? Well, what I was going to say, and I was going to say the moral of the story was, be smart before you try to get your shit together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that one works. I think that one works too, Jimmy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Not quite mine, but we'll let's move ahead. on. Let's move on and talk about uh, John Moxley because he's still on the news. So last weekend, Northeast Wrestling had back-to-back -back shows that included a sold show at Six Flags in Jackson, New Jersey, which was interesting. Um, Moxley answered an open challenge on that show from the former Big Cass and then went on to lay him out along with the former Enzo Amore, which I thought was interesting. Now, one thing about the Six Flags show, Sean, that I want to show you, on the Six Flags website, when they were doing advertising for who was going to be on that card, here's what they put, Brady. Do you have the, the graphic from the Six Flags website? Uh, superstars, John Moxley, FKA Dean Ambrose, which means formerly known as. Someone tells me WWE is not going to be cool with that. I don't know if that was a one-off, but uh, if it was, they might want to think again because I don't know if the company is going to be cool with them doing that. But that happened. Now... Something else that came out that I thought was interesting, and to me, this is indicative of what I think is going to happen come October with AEW. Uh, the G1 uh, tournament, New Japan's G1 tournament, Moxley was announced as being part of Block B, not Block A. And because he's not going to be in Block A, he's going to miss the Dallas show, meaning that he's going to be wrestling exclusively in Japan. Apparently, that is by design. Apparently, that is because AEW has his U.S. rights for television. Uh, and so he can't be part of Block A. And again, when we talk about some other guys that are currently working uh, events that are under AW contract, I believe that come October they won't be allowed to do television, and that includes a guy like MJF uh, with MLW. That's my assumption is what's going to happen. So, Yeah, the, that's another thing. I, I'm not big on all these indies burning through AEW matches before AEW TV hits. Like I'm seeing like a lot of stuff like, matching up AEW guys. If I'm AEW, I even say, hey, you, you guys can still book our guys for the time being, but maybe put them up against other people. Or maybe, and it's just speculation, maybe AEW's like, ah, let's get the let them get the reps in. Who cares? Right. Nobody will see it. Uh, they'll be more familiar with each other. We trust our contracted guys. It just does seem like there are some of these being burned through, but what does it really matter until AEW starts? I just know that right now, I don't think I've ever reached the point of burnout. And I know that I'm not going to be burned out when AEW starts up because I know it's going to reinvigorate things. Mm -hmm. But it feels like such a lull right now. And I think probably by the next weekend, by next weekend, it won't, Jimmy, because there's going to be Fighter Fest. There's going to be Impact Slammiversary another, uh, a week later. There's going to be New Japan, G1 Dallas. There's going to be UFC International Fight Week with two giant title fights. There's going to be Ring of Honor, Best in the World. But the last couple of weeks, the last few weeks between Super Showdown to Stomping Grounds, 
has felt just like such a I can't even put it into words. It's <laughs> Stomping Grounds might be the least desired pay-per-view that I can ever recall from WWE. I couldn't care less about that show. It's too full of rematches that uh, there's just no buzz behind any of them. Uh, I could not believe, and boy, I'm, I might go on a tangent here again. I could not believe that the challenger in the main event of Stomping Grounds, who's going to challenge for the Universal title, lost clean on Raw in a meaningless um, uh, best two to three falls match to uh, Kofi Kingston. I could not believe. Could you believe that on the same show, he loses a meaningless best two to three falls match, and then like an hour later, he's standing over Seth Rollins holding up the Universal title? Yeah. I could not believe they were so stupid to, to think that that makes Baron Corbin look good in any sense doing that. But that's WWE. Let's, let's kind of move on. So Mike and Maria Canellas, you broke some news on this one, Sean. Yeah, Pro Wrestling Sheet uh, reported that they signed a new contract. I was able to confirm this is a five-year deal. This was after... Now, here's the situation. There were people in WWE that said that Mike didn't actually ask for his release, but that they wanted WWE to think, we want out or do something with us. Mm -hmm. They have done something with him. They're on 205 Live. They're, they're getting uh, to wrestle a lot more. I thought Mike Canales had a really good promo last night. Uh, from all indications, they're happy on 205 Live, and they re-signed a five-year deal, I was told. Hey, good for them. Mike yep. into his late 30s, uh, Maria into their early into her early 40s with a kid, yep. probably both making six figures. Yeah, now I know that uh, uh, some people are saying, oh, so was the social media shit talk? So was the social media shit talk just posturing? People are, are, are questioning that. And my answer is, who cares if it was? Who cares that, if it was? If, right? if, if it was, good for them. Good and you for know, them. I mean, you, sorry, that was part of Mike Kanellis' gimmick last night. He was like, Drake Maverick is supposed to run this show, and he's more concerned with the twenty four seven title, and left before this show even started. I like it. I'm. I, this is the most interested I've ever been in Mike Kanellis. And on, I've seen some people on, on social media. I've seen some people on social media that have kind of blasted them, saying, "Oh, so you're happy to get paid doing nothing?" And my answer <laughs> is, maybe they are. Maybe who cares? Have, yeah, who cares? That's their business. You know what I mean? That's the same thing. I had that conversation with someone about like NBA free agency, and they're like, oh, well, it's guaranteed they're going to opt in. They're going to do this. And I'm like, I cannot pretend to know the priorities, motivations, or goals of anyone else, much less a multimillionaire. I can't pretend to understand what Mike and Maria Canellis want to do. I mean, Jimmy, I'm sure you've had a lot of opportunities to do something either more creatively satisfying or financially satisfying at any given time than what you do. You make those decisions based on your priorities, based on your family, based on all that. And for other people to be like, oh, well, what do they really just want to do nothing? Who gives a shit if they do? Yeah, that's their business, man. I mean, and, and, and like you said, they're, they're in their late 30s, mid to late 30s, so, and, and a kid, like you said. So now they've got some security. There's nothing wrong with it. Not everybody is going to be Sasha Banks or Dean Ambrose in terms of like the creative desire, especially when you get to that age. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, okay, let's talk again about Shane McMahon. And we talked last week about how he's the, the, the fixture on both shows now. He's the most featured guy, yada, yada, yada. I've read some speculation that WWE might actually consider putting him in a title program with Kofi Kingston. Have you heard anything about that at all? You cut out a little bit. Who was it? I've read some speculation that Shane. they might, yeah, might Shane. put Shane in a title program with Kofi. Have you heard anything about that? 
I've not heard anything about it, but it's not the type of thing I've really hunted down a lot on. Uh, I, I've just not heard anything about that. I sure uh, as hell they, hope they don't do that. If they did, that would get the wrong kind of backlash. And uh, I mean, yeah. The wrong kind of backlash. And if they went straight from Shane McMahon to Roman Reigns, that would get the wrong kind of backlash yes. as yep. well. That's a good way to get Roman Reigns booed again. I think that the question is, how low can ratings go? Because if you make Shane WWE champion, you're going to find out. Well, here's the thing. To add a little bit more fuel to that, the Kofi drop in the title thing, Kofi's going to be in a movie soon. I saw that. I don't really think much of that. I mean, they've, they've done a lot of these things on their Poor guy, on his days off, he's going to be going to Vancouver because that's what they're going to make him do. So, Vancouver's a nice city now, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but when you've been on the road for four or five days and you got kids, who cares how nice a city it is? That's a good point. That's a damn good so, point. Okay, the wild card. We've, <sighs> we've talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it one more time. It needs to end. WWE is doing themselves a disservice, a long-term disservice for the sake of short-term ratings. Uh, how many guys were switched from both shows this week? Eight a show, ten a show, Sean? Eight to ten. Uh, God, who knows? I can't because I can't. Can't keep track of who's on what show because Ziggler's listed as a Raw guy, but he's on SmackDown. AOP haven't been around since before the brand split. They yep. quietly removed the SmackDown mention from Becky's uh, WWE.com profile. Baron Corbin was at SmackDown but wasn't shown on TV, so does he count? Right. Are Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross a tag team? I don't know. Well, you know what? Let me just say this. And again, we, we've spoke about this. They need to have two distinct brands. You want each show to be appointment viewing. Uh, you're doing yourself a disservice by having the guys on both shows. There's too many guys not getting any airtime now because of what they're doing. I had a look at both rosters, Sean. And when you look at Kofi Kingston as an example, he's an example of a guy, if you get behind guys, if you push them, if you protect them, Good things can happen, right? Then you look at Daniel yeah. Bryan. And, yeah, they did the convoluted bullshit storyline in the middle of the match on Raw with Seth Rollins. And they, if they had to just let it go, it could have been a solid 15-minute match. They still did a pretty decent eight-minute singles match with Daniel Bryan, who before then was either not on TV at all or uh, just doing tag team stuff with Rowan. So, Sean, I had a look at the rosters, buddy. SmackDown in particular, Sean, is an all-star roster. It is an all-star yeah. roster. You're talking about Aleister Black, Ali Andrade, Oscar Bailey, New Day, Buddy Murphy, Chad Gable, Charlotte Flair, Daniel Bryan, Ziggler, Ember Moon, Finn Balor, Luke Harper, Kyrie Sane, Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Rusev, Shinsuke Nakamura. You're telling me that you can't get a good two-hour show every week off of those guys without having to use anybody from the Raw brand? Then when you look at Raw... They've got A.J., Becky, Braun Strowman, who was the guy before they screwed it all up, Cedric Alexander, Cesaro, The Revival, EC3, Lacey Evans, Lucha House Party, The Usos, The Good Brothers, Ricochet, Bobby Roode, Ruby Riot, Sami Zayn, uh, Samoa Joe, Seth Rollins. They've got three hours on Monday Night, Sean. You give some of these guys 10 to 15-minute matches, they can get over the same way Kofi did, man. They can't. Ricochet is getting over right now being Ricochet. Yeah. Going out and doing unbelievable stuff. I, I This isn't agree. complicated. It's not. You've got more than enough talent that you don't need to do crossover. All you got to do is give these guys 10 to 15 minutes in the ring. When I saw Daniel Bryan with uh, Seth Rollins on Monday, and Bryan is so good, man. And when I saw him in that main event, I thought to myself, what are you doing with them? You know what I mean? 
you, I agree. You, you put him in singles matches for 10 to 15 minutes, the guy can go. Sure. And they got so many guys on the roster they could do the exact same thing with. They don't need the crossover. They need to end the crossover. I would do it without any, you know, big storyline or announcement. I would just stop doing it. As soon, yes. as, as, soon as Stomping Grounds is over, just stop doing it. Or if, if you want to make one mention of it, have Triple H show up backstage to Shane McMahon and say, this shit stops. That's it. Right. That's right. it. One yeah. mention, one one sentence, don't make a big deal. You got more it. than enough guys. You bring Shinsuke back and, and put him in a program. You bring Rusev back, put him in a program. They got more than enough guys. Well, good, I mentioned that guys. we were shorthanded. I'm about to enact a damn wild card rule. I haven't had a, had any time off, but this week, Jimmy, I'm going to watch Toy Story 4. Good for you, bud. Good for I'm you. I, I'm excited. Not a lot of movies in my life because I'm too busy with kids, but uh, good for you. One more thing on my uh, on uh, the list of Jimmy Van this week. I was closing the show. Go no, ahead. One more thing, and I left this for last on purpose, Sean. I left okay. this for last on your, purpose. Your, your website, Jimmy. List of Jimmy Van. Scarlett Bordeaux put this up on Twitter this week. Brady, do you have that tweet from uh, Scarlett Bordeaux? Can you find it? Oh, we got some dead air here, Sean. Oh, boy. Wait, waiting for the tweet from Scarlett Bordeaux. Well, look at what, how bad my office chair is. <laughs> in. Probably get me a new one, Jimmy. Yeah, maybe I should. If we don't have that tweet in 10 seconds, I'm just going to kill the whole, uh, the whole topic. Oh, man. Looking for the See, tweet I, from Scarlett I, Bordeaux. Oh, boy. This is awkward. Man. That's All right, Scarlet. That's about Scarlet. Uh, it's about Scarlet. So Impact Wrestling, they confirmed that they have released Scarlet Bordeaux from her commitments to Impact. Wish her every success in her future endeavors. All I'm going to say to you, Sean, is what do you think about that? Good for her. She is a pleasure to deal with. That's all I got for you this week, man. Guys, we've got a lot of stuff this week. Raw SmackDown coverage this Sunday, Stomping Grounds. MMA podcast. Guys, hit the hit the thumbs up button, whether it be on this or over there. But subscribe to our MMA channel. Uh, we're, we're more known for wrestling, but we have some great <coughs> content on the MMA and boxing side. We do that podcast every Tuesday. Uh, I also do post shows by myself on Saturday nights. So make sure you guys check that out. Do us a solid. Uh, share those. Leave a thumbs up. Thursday, the NBA Draft Podcast at 9 p.m. Eastern. That is going to be some of the worst NBA takes you have ever heard, and I am stoked for it. I think Kawhi's going to the Clippers, man. I think Kawhi's going to the Clippers. Uh, I hope he stays with Toronto. Oh, my God. But uh, Fightful Select this week, guys. Fightful Backstage Report podcast. Fightful Q&A podcast. I am doing the 205 Live NXT UK review because Warren is out of town. So I'll be doing that this week. Then Steven Jensen has the weekender. I appeared on his show this week as well. I am on too many shows my God. Until next time, guys, we're out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.